Hey everybody, thank you for joining us on this snowy and cold Sunday morning. We're so glad that we get to join you online and we're really happy that we get to share some things from our heart, from our home. You know, it is February 14th, which is Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's Day, everybody. And since it is Valentine's Day, today we wanna to talk about friendship and marriage. Um, the approach we would have taken with all the kids in children's church is just a bit different than we will with uh, all of our families viewing online, listening in. Um, we have had a few questions about that, so just want to let you know up front, we're going to tone it down just a bit, be a little more rated uh, GPG. We're going to use maybe some, in, uh, some cryptic terminology at times. It'll be maybe resembling reading the Song of Solomon to your children. <laughs> the younger they are, the less they're really going to comprehend. But here's the thing, and I want to really make sure we emphasize this. It's important that we talk to our kids about these kinds of issues at a very young age in today's society. So take this opportunity according to their level of curiosity um, and you'll know when the conversation has gone far enough when they voice questions. But as we get started, I really want us just to pray, ask the Lord to help us capture His heart in all of this. And I also wanna encourage you, consider your giving rhythm in light of the disruption to our schedule this weekend. Um, if you've not given online before, please just take a moment and text GIVE to 584-5767. And this will actually send a link to your phone that will take you directly to the Destiny Online Giving platform. So let's pray. Father, we're asking that you would impart something into our hearts that would strengthen our lives, deepen our friendships, and help us to grow in the revelation of marriage and covenant that you've called us to understand in the earth. And I thank you, Father, just for wisdom as Tracy and I just exchange a bit, share a few ideas, I pray ultimately your heart would be revealed and unveiled in a powerful and wonderful way for all of us to grow deeper in knowing you and expressing our love for you into the lives of others. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So we wanna take an approach where we're sharing um, how we manage premarital counseling at our church and kind of walk through because that's a way to strengthen your marriage. So we use four books, and those four books, um, I'm going to walk you through that progression just real quick. The first thing that we talk about in, um, in premarital counseling is lordship. We want to put Jesus at the center. And so we focus in on this book by Francis and Lisa Chan. It's an incredible book, You and Me Forever, and it's about marriage in light of eternity. The second book is The Five Love Languages. Dr. Gary Chapman, this is a really critical book. We're gonna explain some things for it, but very uh, dear to our hearts for a couple of reasons. Understanding your mate, how they communicate, speaking their language in a real way. And then Money Before Marriage by Larry Burkett. Um, it's a great financial workbook. This is just a practical guide and preparation. And then finally, um, Intended for Pleasure by Ed and Gay Wheat. And um, just a really great book, written and illustrated, giving you a lot of phenomenal, just helpful information of God's plan in the midst of his desire for us to understand intimacy. When we get into this conversation, Tracy is armed with her uh, Nerf gun in the event that I say anything she would not like. I did notice on the Nerf gun, it does say, elite disruptor and i would say that's a pretty accurate expression <laughs> of uh, what her role is in our conversation here so communication very central 
to every area that we want to discuss today. And the first step is the five love languages. And basically, Dr. Chapman, in his book, really helps people define and how they express and experience love. And these are called love languages, and there are five of them. Words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Now, my love language is quality time, and Lawrence's is physical touch. Yes. <laughs> I don't need quantity time. I just need quality time, just face-to-face, -face, knowing that I'm heard and understood, and he cares about what's happening in my life, and that he includes me on what's happening in his life. And I know for men, talking about their day isn't maybe always their favorite thing to do. So you might come home and I might say, how was your day? <laughs> and he might say, fine. Or he might just go moan about it and not really want to talk about it. And when I say, do you want to talk about it? He just not really he rather just eat dinner watch news go to bed but women need communication and so guys have got to realize that showing interest in our day and letting us in on a little bit of their day a few things from their day is just fulfilling part of that female's need for communication and it's not really surprising that Lawrence's love language is physical touch because he grew up showered with emotional and physical affection from his mom. But I'm not really the touchy-feely type of person. I grew up with two very professional parents and they honestly weren't that emotional or affectionate. And that's just because they grew up in households with parents who didn't really shower them with much emotion or affection. So this created a really big culture clash for us yes, when we <laughs> first got married. And so I needed um, to be able to speak Lawrence's love language of physical touch and you needed to understand that my love language was not physical touch. Indeed, that's true. Uh, it's so true. Also, we tend to look at what we're talking about here. Well, that's how I grew up. That's my experience. That's just how my dad was. That's how I am. Um, and we have to be very careful that we don't allow ourselves to use our past as an excuse not to become more of what God wants us to actually be. So think about it, marriage brings two cultures that the two of us experienced together into one household to produce a new cultural expression that really results from both of those cultural experiences growing up. And we've kind of defined it this way, it doesn't sound exactly romantic, but it's a reality. Successful marriage is the survival of the collision of two cultural perspectives. And so this really becomes the essence of our premarital counseling at Destiny. It's explaining and walking through the reality that we all have a history. In addition to having a history, we all have a destiny. And the parts of your past that actually contribute to a better future, those are the things you want to embrace and abandon everything else. Uh, one thing that is so central to healthy relationships in general is that aspect of true, meaningful communication. And when we're talking about communication, often for marriages, we're talking about not just communication, but 
the discussions, right? So <laughs> healthy relationships really do require communication, even when it's difficult communication. You really can't give your spouse the silent treatment because it's not going to accomplish anything because they cannot read their your mind. So a healthy relationship requires communication, and it's if you do silent things, then it's just a dysfunctional relationship. And spacious things. When you're physical touch, mm -hmm. I don't want space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when there's a problem, there's a good way that you can approach your spouse about that. And that might be something like I would say, hey, Lawrence, you know that I love you and you know that we can work out anything at all. Here it comes. <laughs> but I'm angry and I'd like to talk about it. You know, it, we all get angry and it's okay to get angry. I think anger is just a normal emotion. Jesus got angry and he turned over the tables in the temple. But Ephesians reminds us that don't let sun go down on your anger. So in yeah. other words, today's anger is not really the problem. It's yesterday's anger that becomes the problem. When you sit and stew for days on something that happened, that's when it lets the enemy really drive yeah. a wedge in between you and it stirs up those negative emotions against your spouse. So when you are approaching your spouse about something, it's also important that you complain, but you don't criticize. Now, criticizing is about the other person. You're pointing the finger at them, making accusations, judging, attacking them. <coughs> you did this and you did that. And people will immediately get defensive when you criticize them. So what you want to do instead is complain because complaining is about you and how you feel about something that happened. So you did this and this is how it made me feel. And I want to tell you how it made me feel. That's complaining. So I didn't even know this was a segment that you were going to say, but to hear you say it's okay to complain. I mean, it almost goes awry. You know, something in me is this inner conflict, but the reality is complaining is really conversing or communicating about something that's out of order and injustice. Uh, there can be a loving way to complain in a constructive way and not a deconstructive way. And I think that's the important thing. Deconstruction is when you say things that you should not say. And we had a few rules um, kind of in our marriage early on uh, when we were having discussions uh, that would take place. Number one, we never said divorce. Uh, I remember right up front, early on in our marriage, I brought it up in a big fight that we were in, and my goodness, something in me was so deeply, dramatically convicted. And afterward, we had the conversation and just made the commitment to each other. I, I believe we may have even taken communion over it. It was such a big deal to me where we just said, we're never going to use that word again. It simply won't be an option for us. And we're going to ask God just to give us whatever grace we need to walk this through. So that was one of our uh, big terms that we refused. We also chose to never use the words always and never. And you may find yourself absolutely frustrated on your last nerve. Um, of course, I never felt that way with Tracy. I'm sure she felt that way with me from time to time. But you may find yourself just frustrated, last nerve, ready to throw in the towel at something that your spouse may be doing. Uh, but you know, perhaps they're actually giving it their best shot. They're trying. And if you 
revert to that language and you say, you always say this or you never do that. It just goes deep. Uh, it just produces this defensive attitude, a frustrated response is just completely inevitable once you use that type of language. Yeah, those were definitely trigger words for us. You have to learn that when the other person is angry, that you have to choose to try not to respond in anger because it's just not productive. You know, Proverbs <laughs> says that a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And it definitely takes a servant heart that can respond with, I'm going to choose love <laughs> while you are angry. Yeah. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 reminds us that love is patient, Love is kind and love is not easily mm. angered. <laughs> that one hurts. <laughs> so sometimes if you find that you just cannot resolve your marital <laughs> issues on your own, you might need to see a professional marriage counselor. I know that we went to counseling when very early on. Three different counselors. Our <laughs> marriage. But probably the thing that we finally learned that really flipped a switch for us was having Dr. Gary Smiley talk about core fears. And we put a lot of details about core fears in the blog so you can read those for yourself today. Yeah, Dr. Smiley um, actually describes how common problems of, uh, that happen with a couple over and over really are rarely the real problems that exist. That which is typical in terms of your tension um, there's something deeper at the root and real problems are more than just surface arguments that you tend to come back to over and over. He explains how our deepest problems stem from core fears and I think that's what resonated with us so much. We both all of a sudden realized, wow, there's something deep going on within me that's creating a reaction that caused so much tension and conflict. So if you never understand your own core fears, you're simply never going to understand um, the deep emotional reactions. And if you don't understand those deep emotional reactions in your life, then relationships all around you are going to suffer. So think about it in these terms. This is one of his analogies I thought was so good. The husband consistently comes home uh, from work late and that's a problem. It creates a continual argument. But he had no way of knowing that his, at the wife, at the core of his wife's anger is the reality that her father used to come home late from work because he was actually seeing another woman. So core fears you know, are deep within us and they create this eruption of reaction. And core fears can be things like rejection, feeling like a failure, uh, being unloved, growing up, being humiliated, manipulated, or isolated. Just a number of different things can become a point of frustration triggers um, that bring about that deep reaction that's almost automatic. Uh, when it begins to take place. It's kind of like a dance, as he describes, an exhausting dance that you really don't want to participate in, but you are because there was a, a stimulus and a response and a stimulus and a response and it produces this rhythm. It's just this negative dance that you begin to take place, uh, begins to take place in the relationship and really unhealthy reactions are more about core fears within us than about surface actions of someone else. So as a result, we wind up sabotaging our own relationships, the people that we would care about the most. So this, this is really important, but being honest about your reactions 
I don't really even know the depth of what's going on. I just am so upset about this. You know, that type of honesty, that was something I did with Tracy and just kind of opened up for surgery on uh, uh, several occasions. Being honest about those deeper reactions, it can just be such a beautiful healing thing in the trusted confines of a loving relationship. Yeah, and whatever you're facing in your marriage, we just want you to know that there is help. You know, at Destiny, we have community groups that focus on building marriages together. And there are tons of online resources. Yeah. If you can't afford counseling, there are lots of things online you can just access for free. So maybe instead of watching a next Netflix show together, maybe just you commit to once a week, we're going to listen to a podcast together that's on marriage, or you watch a YouTube video that's on marriage. And probably one of my favorite resources online is uh, xomarriage.com. It's the X and the O, like hugs and kisses, the abbreviation for hugs and kisses. <laughs> but xomarriage.com, they have a lot of free things on there, great things that you can listen to that will really, really help your marriage. And working together to build your relationship. I mean, honestly, what we're talking about comes from a healthy perspective of friendship. So one of the core verses that we've looked to together in our marriage is in Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 16. It's kind of the John 3:16 for marriage relationship. It's the Song of Solomon 5:16, And it says simply, this is my lover, this is my friend. And my goodness, it just speaks of something so deep that the world can't even comprehend and understand when we start talking about the depth of friendship. Over the years, we've heard so many people um, tell us how they met and how they fell in love, but very few people when we ask them, so how did you really become friends? What was the process of becoming friends? So few people have any kind of idea of how that look, what that looks like or how to walk that out. And so we've issued the three-month challenge to all singles. Uh, if you're going to date somebody, take. Th I know it's countercultural and it sounds kind of crazy in one respect, but if we really want to grow the way God describes in His Word, we've got to allow Him to define who we are, not the society or culture around us. And so the three-month challenge is simply take three months and don't do relational things, romantic relational things, do friendship things. Spend time in groups, get to know each other, have conversation, interaction on a level of friendship. And just remember this, just because you have chemistry with someone doesn't mean you have destiny with that same person. You can have chemistry without having destiny. Again, this is all really countercultural, but we live in a culture that rushes past the power of a foundational friendship to pursue the thrill of romance. And uh, friendship really is the foundation for a great marriage. Tracy and I have learned how to be uh, much deeper friends in the process of years of working together in this. And the truth is you should never build a building without first establishing a reliable foundation. And the same with a strong marriage requires that, that strong uh, friendship foundation. Social psychologist John Gottman is famously known for being able to predict with a 94% degree accuracy when he would hear couples talk he would uh, predict whether they would get a divorce or not with 94 percent accuracy accuracy he described what he looked for and the biggest warning signs were these indications of contempt sarcasm can be so dangerous sneering hostile humor now, the reality is um, the foundation of friendship where you're loving and caring for each other is what makes the marriage so strong so Early in our lives together, we framed our marriage 
in a way that, in all honesty, I just have to confess and admit, I blamed Tracy for most of our problems. And I would share that in some trusted conversations. And I, what I found is some of my close friends then would compassionately migrate toward me. And um, it was such a dangerous thing. Never form allies against your spouse in conversations with your friends. I just felt the Lord was asking me to say that and reiterate that today. So I want to just say it one more time. Never ever form allies against your spouse in conversations with your friends. And if you think about it in our bodies, we actually have organs and we have vital organs. And you can't live without vital organs. And in your life, you have relationships and you have vital relationships. And your marriage is the most vital relationship that exists in your life, just like the heart would be the most vital uh, vital organ that you have. So realize who the true enemy is, as angry as we would get with each other at different times. Um, the enemy is simply not flesh and blood. Ephesians 6.12 says, for our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against each other, but it's against rulers, against authorities, against powers of darkness, and against spiritual forces of evil uh, in, in the heavenly realms. And so our next topic in this is where so much of that frustration can come. Some sources actually say money is the number one conflict in marriage and um, money is the most common reason for divorce. So I want to encourage you with a book that we've uh, mentioned, Money Before Marriage, but also look online if you go to destinyokc.com and click the resource tab, you'll find uh, a link called Financially Empowered. There are three 45-minute finance workshops there. Uh, we could go on and on and on about finance, but the reality is all that information is right there at your fingertips. There's also a, a budget download uh, a link, a link you can click <laughs> and you can get the uh, budget spreadsheet on that same link as well. Go to destinyokc.com and click the resource tab and you'll see financially empowered. Now for us, we've always been pretty financially conservative you know from the beginning i was headed to law school pretty much as soon as we got married and lawrence was making a whopping sixteen thousand dollars a year Whoa. so i was that crazy <laughs> coupon lady but we always prioritized our date night and so we would usually go to our favorite Mexican place, Nino's, and we would eat the free setup with all the chips <laughs> and the cheese. And then we would order one meal to share. And a lot of times we would end up taking that home. And I think we were a lot of decisions we made today. Those were always going to affect us tomorrow yeah. and in our future. So we could spend a lot of time talking about money. But there's really no need because those resources are available to you online. And also another great resource that we did early in our marriage was the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University. And that is a really great thing to walk through if you're having financial issues. Yeah, terrific. Um, money, all these things can create a sense of division or frustration and that affects every realm of intimacy. And that's really what the next topic is. We want to talk about sex. So Tracy has her gun and um, is Come ready on. to go. But the, <laughs> the reality <laughs> is the lack of conversation about this topic in the church uh, has led to incredible confusion and really has opened the doorway for a lot of deception. So again, that book intended for pleasure uh, by Dr. Wheat, it is just such a great um, tool 
it is written, and I, again, I just want to say it, it sounds maybe a little odd, but written and illustrated uh, in a very appropriate and a very specific and a very communicative way. So we've maybe come into a mindset as Christians where we've been, this has been a little bit of a taboo subject. It needs not be. And let me point to something that will help us see this from a different perspective, perhaps. Um, Ten-year-old boys in Jewish synagogues are taught that their husbands should actually prefer their wives when they get married. At 10 years old, they're saying, when you get married, you should prefer your wife in this area of your life by pleasuring your wife first before yourself. I mean, they're teaching this to 10-year-old children. So if you're thinking, you know, your kid is like 11, 12 years old, and I gotta start having this conversation, you've missed it by years. Uh, this is something we've got to be talking about, and we need to be talking about it openly together, not using ambiguous terminology, but very specific, direct conversation, interaction, because uh, what we're talking about really is the sacrificial expression of love. Uh, even the idea of what was being taught to those 10-year-old boys, it's preferring the other. It's, it's providing for the other person in every area of life that you're giving consideration to who they are and uh, to what their needs and their desires may be in every arena of your relationship. The Bible actually says in Ephesians 5:25, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So what that means is we should sensitively and sacrificially meet our wives' needs, helping her deal with spiritual, emotional, physical, financial, family issues, everything uh, that could be a contributor to a concern in her life needs to be my concern. Yeah, it's really important that men realize that women think globally and men think compart about compartments. <laughs> so if you maybe have an <coughs> argument in the kitchen after dinner, that happened in the kitchen. So when you go to the bedroom and you crawl in bed, <laughs> what happened in the kitchen was in a different room of the house and it's, it's irrelevant <laughs> now to what the man is thinking but what happens in the kitchen doesn't stay in the kitchen for the wife she's global and everything that happened in the day is still on her heart and on her mind when she enters the bedroom i like the way that marriage speaker jimmy evans says it a woman's sexuality is purposefully connected by God to her emotional makeup. Sexuality for a woman is not compartmentalized. Everything going on in a woman's life is connected to her sexuality. If the washer is broken, the tree outside the window is dying, and her mother's finger is broken, <laughs> all these things affect her sexuality. Men, listen to what has captured your wife's attention. Fix the washer, call someone about the tree, and pray for her mother's finger. It's all connected. Yeah, it is all connected. Not just emotionally, but spiritually as well. But I have to say, uh, when Tracy was actually listening to this particular message in another room of the house, I heard her just burst out laughing. So we've been joking about how I'm praying for her mother's finger um, a little more frequently now, just to <laughs> contribute to the overall perspective of our relationship. So it is all connected emotionally and it's all connected spiritually. And so many Christians have just allowed the world to define this important area of our lives. Think about it. The world has its expression of what we're talking about. The world's expression of love is actually wrapped up in lust. 
and inappropriate online content is so readily available on the internet and I just believe it is ult the ultimate pandemic in today's society. Yeah, we really think about that often as just being a men's issue, but it's really an issue for both men yeah. and women and even our teenagers and children also. And this past year, we started support groups for men and for women in the church to really address this issue. Of course, COVID disrupted the meeting schedules, but we so appreciated the people who had a heart just to openly share their personal stories and address these real issues in the church. Yeah, as a man, uh, I'll just say this whole issue objectifies women making them a de-emotionalized object. It does exactly the opposite of what we're describing in terms of a global perspective. And it isolates them, extracting all emotion. Um, it normalizes that which is really not true, resulting in all these unrealistic pursuits and expectations that never find true fulfillment and wind up really injuring a marriage relationship. I mean, I just want to say it loud and clear. It is a demonic lie that any of those de-emotionalized, hypersexualized women exist in the world. They don't. And that idea is extremely destructive. So this really is why we wanted to conclude with our focus on lordship, where we bring an emphasis to the Christ-centeredness in our lives. The book on you and me forever speaks of the eternal values of God. Francis and Lisa Chan just do a tremendous job uh, on this. Early on, I put all kinds of pressure on Tracy that we would have a great marriage, not realizing that in many ways I was idolizing the kind of marriage that I wanted to point to in ministry as the ultimate marriage. There's really a lot of pride that was causing me to put all that pressure. Uh, and from that and other experiences, I've really learned there are two words that solve more than 90% of all marital problems. And I had to let them land on me and I have to continually. Those two words that will solve more than 90% of marriage problems grow up. And the truth is the more spiritually mature we become, the less self-absorbed we are. And I spent a lot of time <laughs> trying to help Tracy be the woman I needed. Uh, and I could have justified it in so many ways, but the reality is I finally came to a place where I started working on the one of us that I could control, asking God to help me be transformed into the loving, serving, giving husband that God wanted her to have. I say it a lot, but it's true. There's nothing more painful than two selfish people in a relationship, and there's nothing more beautiful than two servants in love. And for us, I think it took both of us a very long time to have that servant heart in our relationship and probably what helped us the most was just simply praying praying together praying for each other and just like there is a physical intimacy that binds a husband and wife and more importantly couples need to make sure that there is that spiritual intimacy yeah that is bonding the two of them together. So when you focus your heart on what God wants to speak to you, you're going to emotionally mature no matter what. You're going to have a servant heart because God is dealing with you about those things. And as you're praying, you pray for each other, you can send your spouse a text once in a while, just during the day, letting them know that you're praying for whatever it is in their life that's 
stressing them at work or dealing with something with the kids, just send them a text. Let them know that you're praying for them. And at home, we pray together. And out loud, yes, we pray together, out loud. We hold hands. We pray over things that we're struggling with. We pray that God will help us be the husband or wife that that the other person really needs. And if you have kids, pray together as a family. You are creating an atmosphere of spiritual intimacy, and that will affect not just your spiritual lives, but it's going to affect all aspects of your lives. So true. Um, And really, all of this just becomes chatter and conversation and interaction unless we bring application to our lives. So as we always do each week, we want to commission you to action. So we want to challenge you to bring God's presence to real life in your home and your family. Um, As you demonstrate this week, somehow figure out a way specifically to demonstrate how much you value the treasured relationships that God has entrusted to your care. Be uniquely specific with your appreciation. Um, think about the person and something you could do that will mean something to them. Maybe you're not married. This would be somebody who's just a meaningful relationship in your life. But, um, you know, honestly, all this talk about love and all of these ideas. Um, here we are on this cold day. We're snowed in. I mean, it's Valentine's Day. Uh, it would kind of be the perfect day for um, Behave. baking cookies. Behave. Yes, baking cookies. 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 That gets your mind good. out of the gutter. Valentine's See what I have cookies. to deal with. I mean, yes. come on. Bake some cookies, and I'm going to pray for your mom's finger <laughs> and her finish with our meeting here. So, hey, from our home to yours, happy, happy Valentine's, Valentine's day. day. We love you all very much.